0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hi, guys. Ricky Pope here, and this week on the Christian Nerds Unite podcast, I'm joined by Ben Avery, author, comic book writer, children's pastor, and the podcast host of Strangers and Aliens, plus scripture and nerdy news, and we'll get to all of that right after this
0: guys, this is Ashley Cox from Fangirling Over Jesus. At FOJ, we believe in hope and light in the darkness and that you are not alone. We seek to unite and celebrate the intersection of the gospel and our favorite fandoms. And we get to do this through our social media, our podcast devotional, and our cosplay and fashion. And you can find links to all of that through our website, www.fangirlingoverjesus.com, through our social media at Fangirling Over Jesus, wherever you get your podcasts and on Etsy. See you
1: online! Thanks so much for listening to the Christian Nerd Unite podcast every week. As you know, we are part of the Christian Nerd HQ podcast network, and we drop new content every weekday. Christian Nerd Unite on Mondays, Tatooine Sons on Tuesdays, Fangirling Over Jesus on Wednesdays, The Reverend and the Reprobate on Thursdays, and the Speaking Nerdy podcast every Friday. Go to ChristianNerdHQ.com to follow all the podcasts and check out the Christian Nerd HQ YouTube channel for even more great content. Let's start with some scripture, Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 through 14. Speaking of Abraham and his descendants in this passage, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And Ephesians 2, 17 through 20. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In the 1980s, Petra, a Christian rock band, had a song called Not of This World that references these verses. And our guest today, Ben Avery, has a podcast called Strangers and Aliens, And I love this idea. As believers, we're being made for a different world. As Ephesians says, we're citizens of God's household. We are awaiting Jesus's return. I pray that you'll take a moment this week to consider how God is working in you right now to prepare you for his return. Now for some nerdy news. Once again, we get a pretty low domestic box office this weekend. Uh, The Nun 2, the gothic supernatural horror film, a sequel to the film from 2018, tops the box office with only $32 million domestically and over $85 million worldwide, much lower than its first outing in 2018. The Equalizer 3 drops to second place with $12 million domestically, while two new releases, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 and Jawan, take third and fourth place, pushing Barbie back into the fifth spot this week. John Wick director Chad Stahelski will be heading the remake of the 1986 fantasy classic Highlander, with Henry Cavill attached to play the immortal Scottish swordsman Connor MacLeod, Stahelski says he does not want to rush things in this first film and is imagining a series of films. Uh, The Hollywood Reporter quoted him as saying, the trick is when you have the tagline, there can be only one, you can't just kill everybody off the first time. Uh, The director says that Cavill can transform himself from being a young, vibrant soul to an old, wise soul. He also says he will be pulling from the films and the TV series to create a franchise out of Highlander. In my interview this week, Uh, I talk with storyteller, author, and podcast host, Ben Avery. Ben has written under Marvel and several Christian comic imprints. Uh, We dive deep into some of the things he's done, so we're going to take two weeks to get to know him. Now, let's get right into the first half of our interview. Ben Avery, it is so great to have you on the Christian Nerds Night podcast today. Good to meet you, Ricky. Glad to do this. Uh, Yeah, I'm so excited to finally get uh, to to connect with you. Um, So talk to us just really briefly, give us kind of, you know, who Ben Avery is. Yeah. So I guess
0: uh, if you're going to distill it into just a a quick sentence, I'm a, I'm a father of five kids. Um, I'm a children's pastor and I'm a writer. And those are kind of the, the big things in my life. Like that's my, my family life, my occupational life. And then my, Hobby freelance at one point was my occupation, but now is my, my side gig, my, my, yeah, so, but that's, that's me. Yeah, I do a lot of writing, um, teaching children on Sunday mornings, and then I've got my family, so.
1: Very cool. So, so the consummate storyteller then. Yeah, Um, yeah,
0: that's the word I would use. Like, in fact, I, that is the word I use on my Facebook page is Ben Avery storyteller.
1: Like that's, that's, that's the phrase, so. Awesome. Well, now I know you've done, you've done a lot of different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but at one point, uh, you had the opportunity to work, um, to do some writing for Marvel comics. Can you yes. kind of tell us about that? How did that all come about? What what did all that look like?
0: <laughs> so that was a backdoor kind of a thing. Um, so going back to the beginning of my career, as far as being a writer, um, my first professional job came about because I met a guy on a uh, Christian comic book Yahoo email group who was this fantastic artist who would work with a bunch of different uh, publishers and his name is Mike Miller and he's just amazing. And he had a gig on a book called the hedge night with George Martin. Um, and he wasn't a big fan of the script that he was working with. And so he asked hmm. the people in charge of it, Hey, can we maybe like try out some writers here? And so they did a, a writer's tryout kind of thing. I did a six page Mm -hmm. sample, sent it in and mine was selected by George. And so that's how I got my first real professional job that was published at the time. It was published by, um, image and then it moved to devil's due. And then (laughs) if you remember that publisher, um, and then when the second book came along and we're going to do that one, uh, Marvel picked it up and so Marvel reprinted the first book and then uh, with the second book they had a big push they were doing a bunch of um, other fantasy writers kind of thing Mm -hmm. and they were doing this this big push and so that was my my job with, with Marvel, which did mean that I got some, uh, envelopes in the mail with Spider-Man and the return address, and those <laughs> are my checks. And there's some cool stories actually about a couple of those checks that I talk about every once in a while. I want to talk about God's provision in times of need, but, um, but that's why Spider-Man is my wife's favorite superhero is because <laughs> he was on the envelope when we had, had need of some money. But, um, yeah, so that's that's how the the Marvel thing happened. One of the cool things about that was Marvel wanted to rewrite the contract that we had from our original deal, mm-hmm. with the first book, and Mike and I went to George and said, "Hey, they're trying to change the contract." It was that classic, you know, Darth mm-hmm. Vader pray that I don't, you know, <laughs> change <laughs> yeah. the deal anymore. But um, George just went to bat for us and told Marvel, "Hey, if you're not going to honor their original contract that you bought when you bought mm-hmm. this book, um, then you're." You're not going to be publishing the book and so marvel said okay we're gonna
1: honor that original contract so that was very nice. cool yeah so so that was all george rr R. martin stuff yeah and what was that was that existing material that you were rewriting or was these were these new stories he was writing
0: so at the time that this happened there were only the first four books and actually uh he came to a convention here in indiana uh after it was when we were starting book two mm. um So he had his first four books of of, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. Feast for Crows. I can't remember all the names of them. Um, But when he came to Indianapolis, that's when he announced that they were making a deal with HBO and that they'd be doing the the TV show. Mm. Um, And so this... Uh, series was a series of novellas called The Hedge Knight, and it's I, I call it his Hobbit. It takes place a hundred <laughs> years before uh, Game of uh, Thrones. Gotcha. Um, and it's definitely a lighter tone um, and simpler storytelling. And so okay. Game of Thrones, you know, is sprawling multiple characters and that mm. kind of thing. This follows just one character, uh, well, two characters, uh, Duncan and Aegon, and they're called Duncan Egg, and they are. <laughs> Uh, just traveling the land as a hedge knight and so he's just going around looking for jobs and there's some secrets that come out and different things that happen but each of those novellas is pretty much self-contained and so that was really the reason we did that was because the studio that put packaged it together they wanted something smaller they they didn't want Hmm. to do these giant books and at the time like i said there was only four of them the fifth one uh, was coming out soonish. I can't remember what the timeline was on that. Mm-hmm. There was a time when I was connected to this where I kept getting asked, so when's the next one coming? When's the next one coming? Even back then, <laughs> you know, 15 years ago or whatever. Um and at that time I knew that the next one was coming. I just didn't know when. And yeah. so it was uh it was like I, <laughs> I, I I just work here, dude, you know. <laughs> like I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um But yeah, so that's was working with him it was a, this pre-existing thing that I took the the original novella and then broke it down in script form and so okay. I still have the the books that the novellas came in was a collection with other novellas in that I took it was a trade paperback size and I tore off the rest of the book and just had that little thin piece that was the hedge night. Mm-hmm. and I still have it with all my post-it notes and highlighter and it's it's every once in a while when I'm moving boxes around I'll look and oh yeah there's There's the hedge. I did the same thing with the sworn sword. I didn't do it with uh, the mystery night because that was in a hardcover book and I just couldn't figure out, like, can I rip this and it's going to be okay? So that (laughs) one is the actual volume that has all the post-it notes sticking out and just this brown edged paper in the middle and all the other stories inside are just like not even touched. I didn't even (laughs) even read what they were. But yeah, so that's that's where it came about. That's where it came from. And. But that's also what kickstarted my my comic book career.
1: Very cool. Now were you already into comic books as as a, a kid or you know as yeah. a young adult was was that kind of a thing for you? Yeah, so it was a big deal
0: for me growing up. I always had comic books like I'm pretty sure I even had comic books before I really could read cuz I remember in kindergarten mm. having a very particular Star Wars comic book that I would just go over all the time. <laughs> um, and I think really it came down to the comic books were you know they were cheap first of all but second of all they were things that i was into so you know mm. i was born in 74 so i was three years mm. old when star wars came out um but became just a huge fan of star wars loved star wars loved mm-hmm. superman uh super friends the super friends cartoon. spider is yep. amazing well not spider-man is amazing friends it was that original 60s spider-man cartoon that was on tv when i saw it because i grew up in canada and so it was like that was a canadian studio that put it together and everything but um <laughs> But anyway, the so those were just easy things for my mom to pick up, you know, and and bring Mm. home. And um, you know, I remember it was also on the way home from like the going to the dentist. We'd stop by, and you know, obviously we're not going to get candy. We're we're going to get comic books, you know. And so, um, (laughs) and I still have a handful of those comics from when I was a kid that are just the ones that I just went over and over and over and read over and over and over again. And I think between star wars and superman on tv and and in you know theaters um and uh the comic books that really fueled my imagination and desire to tell stories and so i remember my favorite teacher in elementary school third grade i had one teacher monday through thursday mrs jenkins and then on friday i had mrs barry and she was the teacher who would do the like uh, creative writing things and, and things like mm. that. And I just, I loved doing that. And it's always been a part of, of what I've done. And so I, I've always also dr- <laughs> back then would draw my own comics. They were not good. Um, <laughs> it was, but it was actually in some ways kind of wiring my mind for mm. thinking, uh, as a comic book writer needs to think because when you're a comic book writer, you're writing basically a letter to a comic book artist telling them, this is what we're gonna do together. Yeah. And you're you're communicating to that artist, this is what we need the page to look like. And if you're a good comic book writer, you're able to convey what the artist needs to know about just the tone, the emotion, the mm-hmm. action, and, and all those things. And then they are gonna take it and make it better. Uh, if you're lucky. And I've been lucky. <laughs> I've been really, really lucky. Um, and so that kind of wired my mind. And then as I'm getting into high school. I did a lot of writing in high school. Um, always had notebooks with me. I remember I had a half hour bus ride and so I would write on the bus. Um, and, uh, a lot of that stuff was star Trek. We didn't call it fan fiction back then. Cause it, mm-hmm. we didn't call it that, but yeah. it was just my star Trek stories, you know, and I, I wrote another star Trek story and we, we'd share our, our stories and stuff. Uh, and then getting to college, I had a roommate who was an artist. And so I would, we would just have art time, you know, and I would be just tapping away on my brother word processor and he would be (laughs) sketching away. We had music playing and then our other roommate was just kind of hanging out and we would just do these creative times together and push each other creatively. And that's, in college i kind of got back into comic books i, I didn't buy a mm-hmm. lot of comic books toward the end of high school and the beginning of college but then mm-hmm. through in college that's when i discovered the mature comics you know and the ones there for <laughs> thinking readers uh but sandman and animal man yeah. and vertigo basically oh yeah
1: vertigo um imprint mouse
0: was-
1: uh okay
0: you know uh watchmen you know so it was discovering these like stories that say something but are done in this mm-hmm um, you know, what I thought of as an immature medium. And so as I was looking into that, I was like, wow, this is great. This is actually something that Mm -hmm. it's, it's connecting with me. I wonder if I can connect with other people with this. And so I remember buying the Sandman volume dream country, which had his script in the back. And that became this model for me. Like that was, I had no idea what a script would look like, but here's Neil Gaiman's script for one of the Uh. issues of dream country. I'm going to take this i'm going to and i found a couple other places where i could find that kind of thing and so it became then in college i was kind of self-teaching i also went to film school and that mm-hmm. kind of fed into that visual you know and everything uh and then after college that's when i kind of got involved in some of these yahoo email groups that were you know christian <laughs> comics and then there was you know all these different things fans of ultraverse and, and that kind of thing but that's through the, the christian comic one that's how i got connected with mike and okay and that's how everything kind of fit together as far as like so now you have the story all the way from third grade all the way up until you know meeting george martin
1: but now you you mentioned something i think is i could be interesting um you mentioned ultraverse uh-huh. are you talking about um malibu
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I own okay. the entire universe, uh, every single issue of that entire line. I got into it with Nightman, and that's okay. all I was buying. As I was, I regularly bought Nightman, and if he made an appearance anywhere else, I bought that too. <laughs> I got the Breakthrough crossover with all of the, with they did that one month where it's Breakthrough number one, and then there was the events all the way through in every single title, and then Breakthrough number two, you know, capping it off. Uh, so I got that whole thing. And then after um, it kind of died, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's when I went back and started going to the quarter bins and and just accumulating everything until I finally owned that entire run of that universe. I don't own all the like exclusive covers and stuff like that. It's just the story for me, you know. So it was uh, all the issues and all the story. Mm-hmm. I guess I did also, um, and this goes along with discovering that mature, you know. But I did also get the sludge issues uh early on because that was steve gerber and i was becoming a fan of steve gerber with uh howard the duck and man thing
1: okay uh, yeah yeah uh, the reason i think that's fascinating um obviously we record these several weeks ahead of time and i don't know if you have listened to my latest episode um, but I had, I have Roland Mann on the show. Yes, I did he's, see. He's the yeah. editor mm-hmm. for, uh, for the, for Malibu and for the ultraverse. So yeah. I, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that he, he's a, he's a friend of mine. Um,
0: we oh, okay. have almost worked on a couple projects together almost, but, um, <laughs> the, the things that we were connected about didn't, didn't work out. Um, now it was way after ultraverse was was yeah. done that i that I actually met him
1: and got to know him but okay yeah. that's uh, that's fascinating i i didn't know that you had any connection with either either one of you had any connection before just now yeah. <laughs> so what was fun was going back to mike miller um
0: i'm working on the hedge night you know and i'm getting to know him and i picked up a ultraverse comic and i was reading it i was like oh uh, this one, I I'm not sure exactly what he did, and he's not sure exactly what he did because it says special thanks to Mike S. Miller. And I was like, so I, I sent him a message <laughs> like, what is this? Why? 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 um Because he had worked with Malibu and done some Malibu work. But okay. On that book, he doesn't remember if he you know helped out by you know finishing some pencils or something. He, he didn't. He didn't have a clue what it was that he had done on that because <laughs> it had been a few years
1: since then. But yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, um, so. Uh, now, talk to us a little bit about some of the other comic work you've done. Now, you've done some um what would be considered christian uh, focused comics. Yes, yeah, yeah, talk to us how did that all come about and what did what did that all look like? so around the time that the hedge night was happening mm-hmm. uh i started
0: a comic studio with three other guys it was called community comics and right. we did a couple self pro, uh, self-published projects together okay. uh so that's why i mean the hedge night was the first professional thing i ever did but it wasn't the first book that i ever published and so community comics uh what ended up happening with community comics our idea was we wanted to become a publisher but we we're going to start with self-publishing some stuff we were doing that's when i created armor quest which was ended up being published um through uh brett burner and his uh it was cross culture and alias i think there was two titles two two publisher names for the same people but it was in two different markets and so um but as community comics that was the idea what ended up happening was zondervan decided they wanted to do a graphic novel line Okay. And they headhunted us from ourselves. And so <laughs> community comics, they basically hired us to come on. I did, uh, I did writing on two of the books at first, and then I was brought in to finish up one of the series from the Zondervan graphic novel series, Bud Rogers, he was the line editor on all of the titles, Mm. uh, Sherwin Schwartzrock, who was my artist on, uh, on armor quest. He went and did a lot of the design work for them. I think he designed all the logos and a lot Mm. of the trade dressing and some of that stuff. Um, so they they had hunted us from ourselves, and what happened was once we started jumping into that, there really wasn't time to do the the grand ideas that we had hoped to do if we were mm-hmm. able to get money to do the community comics thing. In fact, I was just uh recently looking at old Time Flies artwork, which was one of the Xarovan books, and originally it, it actually said uh, produced by community comics, or there's some sort of tie-in that we were gonna try and mm-hmm. like bring in the community comics name but uh i don't know if we nixed that or if zondervan nixed that uh it, but it did make it into um some uh preliminary artwork that was for like okay. the title page but um but i don't know if that was just us trying to test the water and see like can we get to, <laughs> i don't know I'll, i don't remember the story behind that um, so that's with, with zondervan um i was able to get in based on the some of the stuff I had done with community comics and with George Martin and then with my pitch, Mm -hmm. Uh, my pitch was Time Flies, which is about time traveling flies. And that was they were going to do six titles. That was seventh on their list. And (laughs) and then one of the people had to bow out. Mm -hmm. And so I got in by default. Um, And then I also worked on uh, Kingdoms, which was not my pitch, but I was part of the pitch. And and then um, with Hand of the Morning Star, that one, um, they needed a writer after book five, and th- so they they came to me and said, "Kate, do you have time for t- time to do this?" And so I worked on the last three volumes of that book. But yeah, so that that work then led to. A period of time where I was unemployed and had no prospects and uh, <laughs> it's a long story and we can get into it maybe later if, if depending on how things take us. I don't want to rabbit trail too much. But I went to a, a Christian film festival where a man named Art Aris was. And while I was there, we did a mini comic convention and okay. So I set up my my table and I was standing next to a, another friend named Mike and uh, he had his his books there and we we're just kind of talking and a gentleman comes up. and I never met him before, but I'd seen him around the, the film festival and he was looking at my stuff and I said, yeah, that's Kingdoms. I worked on that. It's about the exile and uh, leads to the end of the Old Testament. And, and I said something like what I really want to do the next, what I'd really love to do is the life of Christ. And he just looks at me and says, yeah, so do we. And when you get home, tell me how much it's going to take to make it happen. And it was just kind of this, (laughs) wait, what happened? It was literally a 10 minute conversation where he, because he picked up kingdoms, he had been familiar with it because he uh, was Mm -hmm. doing market research. And so he was also familiar with my name because he'd been doing market research in, in the Christian comics realm. And so out of that came a a comic book series called the Christ, which was a 12 issue series that is, um, a harmony of all four gospels. Okay. And, um, just basically, you know, I, I call it my watchman, but part of it is just (laughs) because it's only 12 issues long, you know, and so it's (laughs) similar in that way, but, but yeah, it's, it's birth to ascension and just the the full story of Christ. And I've had a long and, uh, really fun relationship with with kingstone comics and that's what art was in charge of his kingstone comics which okay uh they made a a little bit of a splash uh, because they weren't like us with community comics where hey we're Mm -hmm. four creatives trying to figure out how to make it happen he (laughs) was a pastor and a businessman and Ah. so he's coming into it knowing how to uh, make connections and raise capital and He was also uh, before he did the comic stuff, he did a they produced a movie, which is what brought him Mm. to the film festivals. He was going to do a showing of his movie, Uh, but he he knew what to do with the business side. And that's Mm. one big issue that's always been an issue for Christian creatives is just that business Mm. side. How do we do this? You know, and, um, you know, I'm just not good at making money. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but to have <laughs> a, someone like him who knows exactly what he's doing, how he's going to do it, what he needs to be done. And mm. if he doesn't know, he knows the people who know. Mm. And so he's been, uh, just building up since then. And, uh, you know, so I did a book called book of God with them, which is about just the origins of the Bible. Where did the Bible come from? How was okay. it? How was it produced? How was it protected? Mm. How was it preserved? And, um, and then now you know modern translations how does that work um but it's a I, it's a comic book documentary and oh very cool and then i also did a few other bible stuff uh directly from the bible for them um i did a book called job which was actually i was just before we got on i was just reading that because i uh ordered some <laughs> copies to put on my website and i was like i'm gonna take a look at this and i just i forgot how much i love this because <laughs> drawn by a guy named jess lemons who just Nailed it! It was just beautiful work, um, and that's where I've again been very fortunate. Uh, one of the things I would say is, you know, the secret to my success was being in the right place at the right time and also ready for it. And mm. you know, you're able to see like these moments that God was like, I thought pushing me maybe in one direction to prepare me for something, and mm. then it turns out no, actually, the preparation is what you need. But this is actually what you're getting ready for over here, and you needed something that you were going toward, but you're actually on the right path toward the wrong destination. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's so much better than I had even imagined. And so that, that's happened a lot with my career where it's just like, I end up like stumbling almost into this. I'm, I'm working with Sergio Cariello on, on the Christ. Like he's, He's worked with DC and Marvel, and he's uh, he's actually the action bible guy. So like he okay yeah. Uh, and then he also was drawing the Christ for us, and it's like this is so beautiful. This is so amazing. And same with Mike Miller, everything I done I did with him. He takes the script, makes it better by drawing it. I'll say six panels, he'll say better in seven. You know, and it's just like okay. <laughs> okay. Same with Sherwin Schwartzrock on Armor Quest, which is really the only big project he ever worked on he did a couple other projects too but this is the one that he and i collaborated on together and um he just took everything i did and i had it in my head i typed it how i was trying to describe it and then somehow he would take it and it's better than my imagination you Mm. know it just like whatever i could imagine i couldn't imagine how good he was actually going to make it and it just it's just this gorgeous graphic novel that yeah that one of one of my pride and joys, I guess I would say is just because of working with Sherwin and just how good how good he made it look and but that's the nice thing being a comic book writer, I can brag about my books because <laughs> it ain't me. It ain't me. Now you know, the art brings people in, the writing keeps people in, you know but um I brag about my books all day long because the people who worked on them were just so, talented. And it was nothing Mm. that I did. It was nothing I even did really to get them, uh, for anything I did for Kingstone, the artist was assigned to the project ahead of time Mm. Okay. or for for Sherwin and I, we got together and like, let's work on something together. And we came up with the idea, but it, it was nothing that I did to like pull him in for time flies. I just had a random email come to me because of community comics, Uh, a guy in Indonesia who said, I want to do American comics. And I was like, I have an idea. Let's make a pitch. And so we took the Time Flies <laughs> idea and we, we pitched it to Zondervan. Um, but we were expecting it to be like something we probably did with community comics where we'd just be like self-publishing a regular mm. comic book size thing instead of the manga, which is what uh, Zondervan wanted. Which might yeah. be why Time Flies was uh, attractive to them because it was one of the few books that was being drawn by someone outside of the United States who Mm -hmm. was influenced by Japanese art because he's from Indonesia and so he was drawing his own style. What was really interesting is there was a comic book missionary guy named Nate Butler, who he did. He'd go all over the world and do um, seminars about using comic books to Mm -hmm. evangelize. And I was at a conference with him. I had known him online, but I was at a conference with him and I showed him a, a copy of Time Flies, and he says, This artist is Indonesian. I was like, How, how <laughs> did you know? He said that's just the style. And like, that is fascinating. So
1: um, so when you are, you've done so many different kinds of projects. Is there one in particular that kind of stands out to you that, you know, this is the project that I don't know how the best way to put it is, um, you know, this is whether it's your favorite project or whether it, it's the most important project to you or the mm-hmm. most meaningful project might be the better word. Is there one thing that you've done that you think, you know, this is the one that, uh, that hit me the most. Yeah.
0: I mean, I could kind of categorize that a little bit. If, if I'm going to just answer the straight question, I think I probably say the Christ, uh, Mm. if I did nothing else after the Christ, that would have been a great high note to go out on, uh, (laughs) just because of what it was, what it did. And again, this is nothing that I did other than making myself available and, and, you know, having, I guess a dream, I guess, but, Mm -hmm. um, that has been translated into multiple languages it's been published in languages and in in areas where um you know the gospel can't reach real well it's uh it's it's just the kind of thing where you got this visual representation of what happened in the bible now i've done some other bible works where i've done some imaginative like kingdoms i would call a biblical historical fiction Okay. I added things in. Um, mm-hmm. it's following it's a generational story that follows one family who, mm-hmm. you know, they're mentioned in the Bible, but it's like a couple verses, and right. I'm definitely adding in um ideas of who these people could have been and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. With the Christ, I worked really, really hard to not do that. Um, mm-hmm. and like I I there was maybe some transitional dialogue that I would use for Jesus to like make it feel more natural as you're reading a, a conversation between two people. Mm-hmm. But almost all of Jesus's dialogue is maybe paraphrasing a little bit, but it's it's from scripture directly. Um, now there are some short stories that we did in the back of most of the issues that are about people who came in contact with Christ. And those okay. are more of the biblical historical fiction. Probably the, the biggest ones that comes to mind is, uh, I think it was an issue one, where I wrote a story about the the wise men and mm. uh, who they could have been and why they would have known to look to Israel, to look to Bethlehem um, and just why would they extrapolate that? And so it's, it's imagining them, you know, taking a look at the star, taking a look at the direction the star is pointing, taking a look then at their their archives, because there is some suggestion that because of where they were coming from, they were actually coming from, uh, you know, where Babylon had been or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, where Daniel had lived and mm. it could have been Daniel's prophecies that they were looking at when they were coming up with what is this signifying up in the mm-hmm. sky there. And so it was kind of taking these ideas of what could have been and putting it into, uh, a, you know, six page, five page story. Uh, but the, the main body of the Christ is just taking those four gospels, putting them in order and, and just allowing it to breathe as a story. And so mm. for me, that's, that's huge. And that was, like I said, I mean, when I was talking to him, that was my dream. My dream was mm. to do the life of Christ beginning to end and allow it to be in, Chronological context. Like that was important mm. to me because when you're looking at the four okay. Gospels, you've got all these different events. Some of them yeah. are in multiple accounts, some of them are not. Some of them, they're not in chronological order, even in the same book, you know, because yeah. that's just not how they wrote things back then. They didn't mm-hmm. narrate the way we want to narrate. And so it was taking their narration. And, and stretching it out, I had just stacks of note cards with each little event in every single bit. I had a couple different harmonized gospel books that kind of laid it out. And I would kind of look at all of them and decide, mm-hmm. okay, for this part, this is the one that I feel like is the right, <laughs> this feels right, <laughs> and, uh, but this is the one over here. You know? And so there was a couple times where I was just like having to look at three or four different Versions of what mm-hmm. could have been the chronology, um, and so I had to make a judgment call when I was doing that. But yeah, I would think if I was just going to take one project, I think it would definitely be the, the Christ. And and again, that was one that also had a reach far beyond what my little dream was. My little dream was we're going to self-publish, and mm-hmm. there's going to be you know we we might make a little bit of a profit and sell <laughs> 500 copies, you know, and. <laughs> and then it turned into this thing where it is a publisher who had connections to other publishers across seas they started a nonprofit translation mm. um, company that would translate into these languages for free and so mm. the people who published it overseas they were responsible for the publishing they, so they did that mm-hmm. but the, the packaging was done by this nonprofit. I mean, and the idea was, this is the gospel. We want to spread the gospel. And Mm. so I appreciated the entire time I'm working with this businessman who's a pastor and both of them, I mean, there, there was no push and pull. There was no tension. It was like, these are his two big giftings (laughs) and he's using both of them to, uh, to spread the gospel. And I was very fortunate that God said, Hey Ben, I want you to,
1: be a part of that. So very cool. It was great connecting with Ben this week. Make sure you listen in next week for part two. If you want to check out what Ben is working on or his podcast, uh, go down to the show notes below and click all those links. Well, that's all I have for you today. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, click, you know, just click all those links down there so that you can keep up with new content as I release it. You can find all of our social links and links to our YouTube channel and to our online store at ChristianNerdsUnite.com. If you enjoy the show and want to help even more, consider becoming a supporter on Patreon. All of our Patreon levels have great benefits and make a huge difference in the ministry we're able to do supporters will also get to hear exclusive stories of believers who are serving around the world through our ministry partners to check it out or to partner with us go to patreon.com slash christiannerdunite or christiannerdunite.com and click support in the menu and don't forget to check out the christiannerdhq.com for more great podcasts before you go i do want to leave you with this blessing from first thessalonians 5 May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. We'll see you next week. Blessings.